Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Are we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe left. I just want somebody to share my life with. Within the last couple of years of my life, I'm like, if it's not fun, I don't want to follow that. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you watch me on the Drew Barrymore Show, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Demona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another fabulous episode of Dates and Mates. In reality, love is all around us. No, seriously, we see it in shows like Love is Blind and Married at First Sight and The Bachelor, Too Hot to Handle, and so, so many more, so many that you've actually heard featured on Dates and Mates, and I'm here for it. I love reality dating shows. I've hosted reality dating shows. To me, they're both a window into the current landscape of dating and like a mirror reflecting many of the same dating experiences that we've all been through. It's a learning opportunity, <laughs> but it's also a heck of a lot of fun to watch, too. So today we are going to be doing an all dating dish episode, looking at the latest TV trends, new data and hot headlines on dating and relationships. And I will be joined by one of my dear friends, Matt Marr. Matt is one of the hosts of the mega hit podcast, reality gaze. But what some people don't know is he's also trained as a psychotherapist. So he knows all about why we do the wacky things that we do in love. Plus, in case you haven't noticed, it's Pride Month. So we are going to celebrate it reality gaze style. <laughs> and you know what happens when you get together with your BFFs. Things get uh, a little cheeky, a little heated, <laughs> a little spicy. So uh, the language in this week's episode and the topics we discuss may be a little racier than usual. This might not be the one to listen to in the car with your kids. So grab your bestie, get a comfy seat because it's time to give big smooches to my guest, Matt Marr. Hello. Hi, Hi Matt. Sugar. Hello. Oh my gosh. First time on Dates and Mates. How do you how does it feel? You know, I feel like I feel like I've already been on Dates and Mate based on the conversation you and I've had over a glass of wine when we talked about my love life. <laughs> <laughs> well, for for those who were not there, I was not recording. Those who were not there and didn't get to hear all that, we're gonna we're gonna spill some tea later about what's happening in your love love life. But first, let me just give everybody a little sense of your background and why you're here, because uh, we haven't done like an all dating dish episode before. But I was like. You are the perfect person, Matt Marr, because you talk about reality TV, shows that I love, dating and relationship shows all the time on Reality Gaze. And also, I mean, it's Pride Month and you are one of my gay BFFs. <laughs> I'm just an old-fashioned gay at Pride. That's what I am. Do you want to know something? I've actually never been to a Pride parade. Oh. I feel like I need like a Pride chaperone or something. I will be that for you. Please do. I mean, I totally support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I get a little overwhelmed by the idea of like, it's a lot, right? 
It is a lot, but it's also really, um, what I love about a pride parade is that, um, especially for people that don't live, we both live in Los Angeles. So, um, the diversity we see in the city is pretty, um, well, it's just much more, uh, clearer to us because we see it more every day and so but on the news Mm, and things like that they always show like the most scantily clad men or they'll always show like like the most kind of outrageous uh person in drag but you don't see like the volunteer firemen that are gay that are walking in parade you don't see people that are nurses like just that Average normal people that are in my hometown of Ardmore, Oklahoma, you know what I mean, where I'm from, that look just like the same people. Um, and that's what I love about a pride parade and, that, and the families and people with their kids. And so that's that's my favorite part because it, it makes me realize, oh, my community is bigger than I thought it was. Oh, that's helpful to hear, to know that it, you know, really it is about that visibility. Because you're right. I mean, I just, I kind of live in a pride parade. <laughs> Matt, I was just worried about traffic. I was like, where do I park? How far do I got to walk? Girl, we'll take a lift. <laughs> it's fine. Take an alto. Ooh, an alto. See? See? You told me earlier I was bougie. Let's be real about this. But I know how to speak to you. If I said I got an alto, you go, okay, I'll go. <laughs> okay, I know everybody's listening like, what about these headlines that, that Demona promised me? So let's officially kick them off right now. These dating dish. Okay, as we're talking about pride parades and allyship, there was a headline that caught my eye this week, Matt. It was from The Root. And the headline was uh, about Tyler James Williams responding to speculation about his sexuality. And they were saying the way he responded was really a masterclass in LGBTQ plus allyship. For those of you who don't know the name, Tyler James Williams, you probably know his face. He was Chris and everybody hates Chris, the kid Chris, of course, not not Chris Rock. Which I forgot about until you reminded me. I went, oh yeah, he was. (laughs) Yes. And now, um, He's in Abbott Elementary. He's He was in Dear White People. He was in The Walking Dead. Actually, he worked on it when my husband uh, was a writer for that show. So an excellent actor. And you know how people do, Matt. People are always speculating. And they're like, oh, I don't know if that person is gay. Like, what do you think? And they try to dig for information. And so this was happening to him. People were were saying he might be gay. And he was like, look, I don't even want to address this, but I feel like I need to because I need to show people why this is not okay. And that sexuality speculation is really dangerous. This idea of you're going to catch someone in being gay before they're ready to live their truth publicly. So he just put it all out there and and let let everybody know that this really is is unhelpful to the gay community and to, and to everyone really. It contributes to anxiety it, and it, for queer people or people who are questioning, it makes people feel less safe. And it, it also just reinforces archetypes about sexuality and, and gender identity as well. Like, like, what does that even mean? Like, just because I look at you like you might be gay. I mean, I kind of guessed with you, Matt, but, uh, but I wasn't trying to out you. <laughs> I have a new commercial agent, and she texted me, and she said, so do you think you could play a straight father? And I said, well, as long as they don't mind a purse falling out of my mouth when I talk, <laughs> then yeah, sure. <laughs> but no, you, you can't get straight dad with this list. No thanks. Um, 
Uh, no, it's something that we talked about. I talked about this with, uh, you know, my my ex relationship. We talked about like he was very quote straight presenting, and I was I'm not. And so um, we talked a lot about how um, it was an education for I think for some people to know that like when I walk into a room, it's not as apparent as like people like skin color or anything like that. But it is as soon as I say hi to you or something, you're gonna know. Oh. He's different. He's not like the other straight, the bro guys playing baseball in Oklahoma or Texas, where I'm from. So, so it was just always, I had to be out there, but I think I love that he did this. He, again, he didn't have to do it. I just, I've been, it's happening now a lot with, I think, and with not to get into politics, but you know, trans visit and if people are trans rights and things are such and visibility and our trans people going to the bathroom and all the stuff and the target stuff of their clothes and all this. And I just want to say, I understand where it comes from. I think for some people it comes from a place of malice, but for others, like, like you and me, like, let's be honest, girl, we nosy. We, we nosy. We like to talk. It's our job. We like to <laughs> it's talk. Our job. Uh, you know, that is, uh, I don't do it anymore, but that's why I became a therapist. Cause I'm, cause I'm a voyeur. I want to know what's going on behind the closed doors. And so, but, but I've even found myself like just the other day I was driving and I was, somebody was walking their dog and I went, is that a man or a woman? And then I stopped myself and go, why does that matter? And why do I care? And I went, oh, I don't really care. So I think sometimes like when we ask ourselves these questions, is this celebrity gay or not? Stop yourself and say, am I just bored? Like, why am I asking this? Why do I want to know? And a lot of times I think we'll come back mm. with the answer of, yeah, I really don't care about this at all. This doesn't affect my life. I don't care if they're gay, bi, pant, whatever. I don't care. I can go. I think a lot of people are in that camp. And then we have then these other people, though, that get into this. When we start start talking about policing, I was outed. So I know what that's like. And that was um, so that choice to be able to tell really close people was taken from me. Um it was just more at school. So I was still able to come out to my family and things like that, but it damaged some friendships that I had to repair that thankfully did become repaired. But, you know, people felt very hurt that I didn't tell them whatever. And so it's, you know, you, you don't think about this guy's a celebrity, but then he probably has his mom, his aunt, his cousins being texting me like, Hey, bro, you gay? Like, I don't care, but why wouldn't you tell me? He's like, no, this is not about. And if he was gay or whatever, bi or whatever, now you got to think about, yeah, it's quote a celebrity, but now it's you're having, which is celebrities have talked about before, if something comes out in their press and then their own father or mother texts him saying, wait, is this true about you? And just what a horrible thing to take from someone. Mm, yeah. Thank you for framing it um, and sharing your personal experience with this I it's funny because I, I also see it like in my daughter's generation as they're kind of figuring themselves out I see a lot more openness to fluidity as well yeah and like in a way that was not okay in when we were in school it was like well what pick are team, you yeah. pick a team you know since you did say, you know, you used to be a therapist because you like to be in people's business. <laughs> I do. I've never thought of it in that way as, as a, a, a reason that I went into this line of work. But now that you mention it, I sure do love watching reality 
dating and relationship shows. One of my favorites, there was a headline that crossed my desk this week from Love is Blind. So remember this season three couple, Matt and Colleen? Yes. Remember them? That was loaded. We will unpack that in a second. So Matt and Colleen at the they they got married at the end of the season. So wait, hold on. Spoiler alert, guys. (laughs) They got married, and then usually from that point, usually after people go in uh, in in this weird TV experiment in which they have they have. 10 days to decide if they want to get married to someone. And then they have three weeks to basically change their entire life. Usually then they move in together and they start their life together and everybody lives happily ever after. But Matt and Colleen did it in a different way. They got married, but then they decided not to move in together. It was kind of tense. Did you see the reunion? Yes. Yeah, we cover that show. So I watched it all. It was kind of, kind of tense when they were asked about whether they're moving in together. They said they were going to move in together and then they didn't. But guess what? Now they have. Two years later, they have finally moved in together. So let's get into (laughs) their business, Matt. (laughs) No, but I really want to unpack it for our listeners because I've talked on the show a lot about this, the sort of relationship slide into like, we're dating, we're serious. The next step, we just move in together. Oh, now we should ask some of these questions like about the future and what do we want and what does that look like and should we get married? And they kind of did it already in a in a backwards order. So I actually really I really admire them for bucking the trend and doing it in their way. I agree. It you know I, 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 it's a little bit of a loaded question in that I come to Matt and Colleen with a little bit of, I get triggered because that season of Love is Blind was from Dallas. I grew up an hour from Dallas in Southern Oklahoma, went to school in Dallas. I think what often they don't mention sometimes on Love is Blind is the culture of where people are from. Because in Dallas, women get, women are supposed to get married by the time they're 25. We, they still live in that type of culture. And it's a very... Very Hmm. Christian-based culture. And I bring that up because Matt, it very much is that typical Dallas guy, like a little bit, do you take him? Do you obey? Yes, yes. There's a little bit of that going on. And then he had, as you saw, really bad anger issues. Really bad. And a little bit of a drinking problem, right? Let's talk about that too. Yeah, a little bit. And Colleen, though, it hurt me because she's this kind of like this, what I see a lot, because I would have been friends with her in college, probably. Um, this a woman who kind of blindly, it's, there's this cult, I think maybe ever, but especially uh, in Texas of, oh, they're just men. They're just a, they're just a man, just a man lumbering through the world. We'll fix them. And that kind of, she has that mentality a little bit. So I actually, I agree with you though. When I found out on the reunion they weren't living together, I screamed and I went, yes, because I was, I know that probably was all Colleen putting a boundary up for herself. So I think it's good, but I think in their situation, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe she was like, her gut was saying, you don't need to be with this guy, but she just, they had already done all the things. I, I, I don't know. So yes, it. I, I wish in my last relationship, I didn't move in together so quickly because what happens then you, then if someone pisses you off and you want to kick them out, you're like, well, they're paying half the rent. That's nice. 
you know? It's so much more complicated, and yet we don't have the same level of uh, seriousness in those conversations about moving in together that we do when we talk about marriage or planning for the future. That's so true. That is so true. But it's just, it's it's nearly as complicated to extricate yourself from that situation than if you, like, at, at least if you were actually married... You you have some framework for how things are going to be split up and there's like a legal process to it. It's just inherently messy. This is why I tell my clients, if you're going to move in together with somebody, you know, before before you you got the ring. I and I I bought a house with my husband before we were married, but we'd had a lot of conversations about our intent and making sure that we were on the same page with one another before that happened. And there was also, there was a lot of bravery in my conversations, at least, and I imagine also in Colleen and Matt's, yeah, to say what they needed and also know that the other person might not be in that same place. Like they might be living apart and living separate lives and then at some point realize that it's not the right match. And that takes a lot of bravery to not just go with the momentum of like, this is where we are and this is what we're supposed to do. I, uh, kudos, I second everything you say. Again, going back to the culture, I think that was a really hard thing for Colleen to do because I'm pretty sure Colleen is, I feel like is the one who put up that boundary. So kudos to her. You're right though. It is people, I don't know why people are like, oh, you get married. It's so much more complicated. No, when you live with someone untangling that, Believe me, it's not an easy process. Yeah. Yep. And then like once you get married, like everybody was like, do you feel different? Is it so different? I'm like, we already did all the hard stuff. Like this is just, we just had a party basically and signed our names. Love. (laughs) Oh, love. I know everyone wants to know what is the secret? What's the secret to lasting love? One of the shows that you, you, cover a lot is 90 day fiance. We'll talk about that in a sec, but it's, I'm sure you have different, a different perspective on long-term love from watching that show and people that, that again, connect and move in together very quickly. And they have 90 days, right. To decide if they're going to get married or not. And that puts uh, the relationship in a bit of a pressure cooker. So I found this article from The Guardian, 20 Truths and Myths About Relationships. And I thought maybe I'd read you a couple of these truths or myths. You tell me if you think it's true or false. Um, And I'd love to know from your background as a therapist, from from your your experience as the host of Reality Gaze and all the 90 Day Fiancés that you watch. Just watching a bunch of reality <laughs> love trash, my experience. Okay. Yes. Tell me what you've learned. All right. What about this one? Never go to bed on an argument. Like, never go to bed angry. What do you think? True or false? I feel like in society, we say that's true. But I feel like this quiz is probably going to say for a healthy, I feel like more false. <laughs> yes. Uh, and this is based on a study. So okay. on a compatibility study. So I, you know, I, I don't know if that makes it more credible, but yeah, they said false. What do you say? Sometimes you can't control the timeline, but I, my feeling is you should deal with conflict 
as soon as you can. Agreed. Because the longer that you wait, whether it's overnight or or throughout the day, the longer you wait to process it, the more that your wheels are going to start turning and you'll tell yep. yourself stories that may not be true about your partner, about what their intent was, or about what you should do. But what about this, Matt? No relationship can survive an affair. I mean, on a personal level, I would say no. But in realistic terms, I actually think, I think yes. And I actually feel like um, the little bit, I didn't do a ton, but the little bit of couples work that I did. I remember having one couple that were working through that at the time. And it, it requires at radical all the radicals, radical vulnerability, radical truth, radical uh, empathy, radical understanding. But if you can do that with someone and get through on the other side, I think that probably your your relationship would be so much more fortified than it was before. Okay, then what about this follow-up question statement? Once a cheater, always a cheater. I say yes to that. I say true. I say I do say that. They say true and false. <laughs> well, then don't ask the question, bitch. What do you mean? Well, you know, it's complicated. It's complicated. But what do you say, Miss Dates and Mates? Honestly, my feeling on this has changed. I don't change my feelings on too many things. But I I used to be like, no, no way. Like if if somebody cheated on me, like that was that was it walk away and that maybe a little bit of my <laughs> avoided attachment style speaking you know um but i've worked on it and i'm more secure and you know honestly as somebody who's now been i've been married 16 years matt i'm like we have built so much together mm-hmm. like i hope it never happens and i i don't see it happening but i also know like when you have invested so much in a relationship you have to weigh that part, your partner's ability to change your ability. Like you were just saying to fortify your communication and strengthen your connection with one another. And I feel like if you really care about the person and you feel like there's enough there to build a future relationship with them, you have to work through the sticky ness of the present to get there yeah. before you throw in the towel. I don't think anything is like a, well, that's it. Maybe, you know, I, I take that back. Abuse. I think that's a, that's it. Like, yeah, that's a, that's it. Physical, mental, emotional abuse. No. Okay. What about this one? You can have a good sex life forever. Oh, true. True. That's wishful thinking because I want to be 80 and getting it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> well, according to The Guardian, that's false. It says Viagra sold us this idea. In theory, there's no reason why sex should ever stop. But in the real world, things are different. And uh, long-term couples, their sex drops off after their 50s or 60s. And those who carry on usually shift from swinging from the chandeliers. I was like, swinging? No, swinging from the chandeliers to a more gentle slow sex that might not involve penetration. Well, that's what, when I said, um, 
I wasn't thinking of penetrate when to me, like, yeah. So I think for me, I, I should probably, I have a broader term of sex for me that can be whatever hands, fingers, it could even toys, toys like, <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, that's, I, but maybe I feel like I just said, I just said about myself, everybody listening went, oh, she a hoe. And you know what? I am. I'm a slut. <laughs> Live your life. Live your life. Okay. Since now we know you're a <laughs> slut, uh, I want you to spill the tea. You alluded to a few little things along the way. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Matt, I want to know just how... <laughs> I was going to say like just how deep, but then I was like, oh... No, things are going to get very, <laughs> let's just say things are going to get very heated <laughs> in a second. So stick with us. Well, if you are single and ready to mingle, I got to tell you about a free gift that I have that's just for our Dates and Mates listeners and just available for a limited time only. It is the Profile Starter Kit. It gives you the building blocks to make a magnetic profile that will bring in the dates to you. So you're not doing all this extra work on swiping and messaging and talking to so many people that aren't really right for you. I want you to draw in the dates that are aligned and shortcut the dating process, but that all begins with your dating profile. And even if you're like, girl, I've been online, I've been doing this, and it hasn't worked for me, give it another shot, but give it a shot my way. You can get the profile starter kit at datesandmates.com and get on your way to better dates today. And don't forget, the Dating Accelerator program is now available in a self-led online format that you can take anytime anywhere and get yourself ready for the relationship that you dream of this summer. It's a 10 module program. You can complete it in as little as 30 minutes a week. And I promise you, you'll see a dramatic change in your dating life, the way you're thinking about dates, where you're finding dates, who you're spending time with on dates, how you're preparing for dates, and then how you are building for the future that you want. That's available now for you at The Dating Secret. Yes, I'm giving away my secret to lasting love. You can find that program at thedatingsecret.com. And if you need a little help getting started or you think you might want support through the program, there is also the option to add a solo one-on-one coaching session with my VIP coach when you get that package now at thedatingsecret.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Matt, you you came out in the last segment as a hoe. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> I'm proud of that. So tell us. Tell us. But, I, you know, I know a little bit more since you've done four unaired episodes of Dates and Mates. <laughs> I know a little bit more about your backstory. Can you catch everybody up on where, like, where you've been and how you got to where you are now? So to preface this, thankfully, I'm very it's I, I'm very good at being alone and doing my own things alone. I've always been fine with that. Uh, and I bring that up, though, only because 
I had a relationship that ended last, uh, it'll be a year in July and it was not a good ending. Like, you know, we, there was, again, there was, um, cheating and just very unexpected to me after having just kind of a, a rough personal year already. Um, and how long was that relationship? Seven and a half years. So long time. Um, that's a long time. And it was not something that I expected uh, or wanted to happen. So I bring that up as far as I've always been good being alone. So I never thought that I had codependency issues because I thought, but I'm good at being alone. Because And so oh, wow. this was, so it's been a good thing for me to now, she started going to some CODA meetings. We're talking to my therapist and realizing that because where you talked about attachment style, I'm much more of an anxious attachment style. And that fuels my codependency and of uh, wanting to be caretaker to people. And even in ways I think I'm not taking care of, basically my therapist just told me flat out, cause we've been together for like 10 years. And he said, girl, listen, I know you're not thinking, you're not thinking that you're, um, you're taking care of people. You are bitch. And I was like, so you mm-hmm. always had to be vigilant about that. And the way someone who struggles with alcoholism has to be vigilant about drinking. And that was a good thing for me to hear. So I've been kind of on this journey of just my, I've been in like the Miley Cyrus, I can buy myself flowers kind of mood for a year. But then I got to say, hopefully I don't, I'm not even going to use his real name, but you know what happened is Channy said on Thursday, someone, Cupid's going to put someone in your path. And then the next, next day, this guy that we weren't, we never even hooked up. We were talking, I can't really do a lot of the dating, like the grinders, the scruff. I don't want to, I don't want anyone to touch me. Cause I've honestly been working a lot on, like, I don't trust men right now. I don't trust a lot of people right now. Cause that trust was broken for me. So I've been working a lot on that and trusting myself. I was just going to say, is it that you don't trust men or? No, it, I don't trust myself. I don't trust my decision-making. I don't trust that. And yeah. so, um, that that's been yeah and so which has been interesting watching all these 90 day fiance shows and these people that i used to say they are so stupid and i look at them and i went oh i did that so you know you see yourself mm-hmm. sometimes heightened in these people but this guy just we had talked like on scruff or something when i was my family still lives in dallas and i was in dallas and we were talking this is a couple of months ago nothing but i was again like i'll open an app and i'll go uh she's not ready like i'll do it for five minutes and i'm like but he asked for my phone number. So we had texted a little bit. And why this turns into, because something I've realized is um, I think I'm more demisexual now, meaning I need to have an emotional connection with someone. I just can't hook up randomly. And so I kind of had this connection with this guy. Well, then on Friday morning, you know, it's, it was L.A. Pride. And he just texted me and said, hey, are you still in L.A.? And I said, yeah. And he said, want to fuck? And I said, sure. So, girl. She's back after like <laughs> after right. like eleven months. <laughs> I love it. I have like my two best gay friends. I mean, they're in relationships now, but when we were all single, if I texted you an address with someone's name, they know that I don't even say what it's about. We just know. You just know and you go. <laughs> yeah, you know, you go and you hoe. And, <laughs> and you hoe. And so I just texted my friends the address with this guy's name. And they both just sent like emojis and just said, she's back, bitches. She's back. So, but it was a really, what I, reason I bring that up is my last relationship, there was not a lot of intimacy in the last few years of our relationship. Um, 
and uh, for a lot of reasons, I think more of him than me, but um, but still, I was a co-contributor in that. But uh, it was just nice to. It was nice to. It, I tell people that I. If you would have asked you six months ago if I could have been with someone physically and felt felt beautiful and felt appreciated and have fun, I would have said that's never going to happen. There's no way I can do that. And so I did. And so I hope that if people are listening, if you're feeling like I'm never, never going to cross that bridge again, believe me, you can. I love how you you can make challenging conversations um, accessible for people. So thank you for sharing that. I'm wondering for the listeners that maybe have been through that, maybe are feeling that mistrust, maybe of themselves, maybe of somebody else, um, you know, and feeling like they need healing. You mentioned that you did therapy. You mentioned that you did some, some, you know, some meetings on codependency. Are there any other concrete steps that you think helped you heal and be ready for, you know, the possibility of love again? I got up from Ina Garten because I love her as a cook, but she once said a quote, she's like, I just really follow the fun. And so I really, within the last couple of years of my life, I'm like, if it's not fun, I don't, I don't want to follow that. I really want to follow the fun. And I say that one of the best things that helped me was to follow the fun in my life that didn't deal, that wasn't around a relationship or being with someone. And I say that because you don't think it is connected, but it is. The fact that I've rediscovered my love of going to see con- live concerts, which is something my partner didn't really like to do. I've also started to go uh, play, uh, started to play tennis again. And it sounds silly, but you, but sometimes I feel like if if there's a compartment in your life right now that is still smoldering from the fire that burned it, it might not be the right time to go in and heal that. Maybe it's time to like, yes, you can, maybe it's a little sensitive. So it's okay to like, foster and nurture other parts of yourself because it's all connected. So when you follow your fun and I go to a concert and I feel connected to people and I hear Winona Judd sing and I'm crying with Winona and I'm laughing and having a good time and I talk to other people about her, I go to Shania Twain and I'm having a ball, that joy then is something that I can walk back into that smoldering room with and it helps me look at that room from a sense of strength and resiliency rather than feeling just so burned. That was beautiful, actually. <laughs> that was a really powerful visual, honestly. Oh, and I also try to practice that even in relationship because a lot of people get lost in their relationship. And, you know, like you were saying, your partner didn't really like listening to live music. I'm saying with my partner, although he did take me to Bernadette Peters last week, so that was pretty cool. Oh, I heard she was great. <laughs> I cried. I did you, cry. You did, <laughs> you did celebrate gay pride. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> there, there was like a group of, of, of gays walking out in front of yes. me, and they're like, well, she gave us what we came for. <laughs> and I was like, yes, she did, honey. <laughs> yes, she, I've seen her before, but my podcast host, Jake, actually... He went and saw her last week as well. Oh, so it was beautiful. It was beautiful. But all in all, usually my husband doesn't like to see live music. And I really get something from it. But there's so many other things that I do that really fuel my soul. I do yoga. I hike. I, you know, 
do weird um, tarot no, cards and astrology. No, things. I do all that. And you know, right. I got to say, Pilates has been life changing for me too because Pilates is something I've been doing it forever. But I kind of like dug into my practice of Pilates and there's when there is something I never got this really before, but when I'm able to build physical strength in myself, I'm not an athlete. So when I do something and I feel feel my body actually getting stronger, it is this kind of um, North Star that will my emotional self can get stronger, too, because my body is doing, you know, it, it, it that's really helpful to move. That's great. Yes, I agree with that. And also, I mean, there's the whole physiological part of that too, like the yeah. endorphin release and the adrenaline. And there's so many ways for us to access that. Like it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go on an ayahuasca journey necessarily. You can if you want. You can. But, <laughs> but we can do that in our daily lives. So I really encourage anyone listening, if they're in a relationship or out of a relationship or healing from a relationship that has ended, to really make sure that you're still dating yourself. Like I, you know, I did the artist way process like 20 years ago, right before I met my husband actually. And, and those artist dates are so key. And I'd kind of let them go a little bit earlier in our relationship, but now I've really recommitted. And for those who don't know the artist way, it's, it's spending three consecutive hours, you know, a, a week just doing something that fuels your soul they say as an artist but i think it's really for anyone i think for anyone without without your husband without your dog without your cat no kids just you just you there's so much more in that book but that that's the big kind of takeaway that through line that i plug back into well and also too and i'm not just saying this because it's you but i think listen to the people you trust and like you're one of those people i think that's one reason why we become closer is because you will you always with kindness and your timing is good. I think kindness and timing go hand in hand, but you're not going to give me bullshit. You're going to tell me the truth of kind of where I'm at. And I think it is good to find people that you trust enough that you can be vulnerable enough and feel, uh, this is my word, but sometimes you feel weak around them because you feel like you made a mistake or you feel like you didn't know. And for somebody to say, not that everything's okay, but to say, Hey, you could have done this differently. We can work on this. It's just been beautiful to have good, honest friends. And if you don't have those in your life, then you need to seek that out. Thank you for that, that reflection of me and also for that advice. And yeah, I, I just, I appreciate you so much. And I admire you for all that, all that you do, and, you know, and especially like, gosh, like for those who don't know, we, we've been like co-emceeing uh, the podcast movement conference. And I just, I love feeding off of your energy and working with you and watching you work because you're so, you're so present in the moment, Matt. And it's oh, so amazing to watch you work and watch you um, connect with the audience and you do this so well on your podcast as well on reality gaze you like take this thing that we're all watching and we're all having opinions about and you re really like give a voice to all these these things that we're thinking but don't have anyone to talk to when we're screaming at our tv yeah. so tell us what's coming up on reality gaze what's the next show that's coming down the way that we need to you know put on our watch list 
we just started before the 90 days, um, which is only in the second season. It is maybe one of my favorite iterations of 90 Day Fiance. Or it's in the second episode. I'm sorry. Uh, this season's great. Just to give you a little tidbit, there's one couple, Gino and Jasmine, this beautiful woman from Panama who's in love with this nerdy guy from Michigan who um, she feels like uh, he does not quote. She's the, Literally, the plot line is he doesn't come inside me and I don't feel like he loves me. Like that is their plot line. So that, so that is what they're working towards. And she is very sex positive. So there's that storyline. And then there's another woman whose husband died of cancer nine months prior. And she's already met a man and in love with him and going to go meet him for the first time. He lives in Romania, I believe. Um, going to meet him and already hoping for an engagement ring. Meanwhile, her kids are still at home, white knuckling the box with their dad's ashes in it with his picture on it and taking it everywhere. Oh my goodness. It's really, it's sad and it's riveting. So that's 90 Day Fiance. And then uh, we have Love After Lockup, which is coming up, which is a big show on WeTV. And that is a show of people that are, we love that show. It's maybe one of our favorite shows, but I love about it. It actually, I love that show that it, um, you think, I think we go in with these judgments of, well, why would someone want to date someone who's been incarcerated? Like that person incarcerated is the problem. When in actuality, it's the people on the outside often that have either the control issues or the ones that are taking advantage of the system of somebody who's getting out of being incarcerated, who is left with nothing to start from and they need this person. So that's a fascinating look at what love is like for people that are getting out of prison. And I love that show. Thank you so much for joining me, Matt. You're going to want to follow Matt on Instagram at the Matt Marr. That's T H E M A T T M A R R. And Listen to Reality Gaze wherever you listen to Dates and Mates. The links will be in the show notes. Well, that's a wrap on episode 468 of Dates and Mates. The DMs are open, as always. You can reach out to me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at Damona Hoffman, or give me a call or a text, 424-246-6255. We'll be back again next Tuesday with my very favorite psychoanalyst, Dr. Orna Goralnik, host of the Showtime documentary TV series, Couples Therapy. That is an episode you will not want to miss. Until then, I wish you happy dating.